Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. have a seat everyone and thanks for singing and for being here. Uh, if you're new, uh, let me say a special welcome to you. My name is Dominic. I'm uh, one of the leaders here and I, I met some people between services as well. We're here for the first time. It's always nice to meet people who don't know me, so it's always nice. Uh, and it's, it's also a reminder that we want to keep making room Uh, for people. So if you're watching online, let me just say a special welcome to you. We would love to see you in person, especially as we move closer to uh, maybe holiday season, Christmas time. It might be an opportunity in your schedule to say, you know what, I'm going to visit in person. Maybe it's a commitment I want to make in the new year. Another thing we're asking you to think about too, and some of you know this, especially if you're part of the church, that as we move closer to the end of the year, It's so important that we not only give back to the community, but many of us are learning how to give faithfully to the work of, of the church here, what God's doing through us. And so I think of the families and our kids and our youth and all of the programs that happen, even how we build bridges with the community, it's happening because of your faithful and generous giving. And for us, that's an act of worship. So if you want to uh, help with that or if you have questions about that, you can always give here in person. Uh, we have give stations. You can go online and, and give uh, through a digital uh, tool that we have. But we want to say thank you. And would you be, you be praying about how God's going to invite you to help us finish strong this year as we continue with our giving. Uh, this morning, we're actually starting a, a new teaching series. And it's a bit of a different teaching series because it's a short one. It's just for two weeks. And uh, maybe you're watching online and you've seen, a, you know, one of our, our ads for this. And I've been thinking about this series for a while. But a few uh, months ago, even as a staff, when we were talking about teaching series, I thought it would be really helpful to go back and talk about this issue of discernment. And when I shared with the staff that it would be just a two-week series, they all laughed at me because they said, you're going to talk about discernment just in two weeks. So we're going to try. We're not going to capture everything in two weeks, but we're going to try just for two weeks. We're going to talk about the sermon, then we're going to be moving towards the Advent season. But we hope that this series helps you think about how to make choices that honor God. Now, all of us make choices like every day, every minute. You got up this morning, you made a choice about whether you're going to shower, whether you're going to come to church, whether you're going to eat, all these choices. And we often forget that the Bible is this great gift to us about how we discern how to make choices. And some of those choices are kind of like whatever choices, they can change. But then there's other choices that we know and feel are more urgent. They're choices that either help us align our lives with the thing that God's calling us to do, or they become choices that move us further away from understanding God. And the idea for this in the Bible is the idea of discernment. And when you think of discernment in your mind, I don't know if you have someone that comes to mind or a concept. So take a minute and think of the idea of discernment. I often think about discernment when I was really, really young. I equated discernment with somebody being old. Maybe that's you. Just an older person, I always thought, if they're older, they must be wiser. If they're older, and I confused having more experience with actually being wise. They're not the same thing. Many of you know this. You can grow older and never grow up, and so that's just an important rule. So discernment doesn't just happen because you got older. 
Discernment is something that's cultivated, and actually I've met young people who are very discerning, and I've met some older people that are not. And I've always thought about that for my own life, like discerning and becoming a person who makes choices that are aligned with what God teaches and helps us live in the fullness of the good things God has for us takes some practice. Now, when you think about discernment, maybe in our culture, I think of so many people in our culture, they're into this, they don't use the word discernment, but they're they're into this idea, the idea of self-awareness. You know, it's a whole new category of of, of research. Uh, If you've ever taken a job, you know this. Uh, If you're a leader in a business, you've maybe heard of a 360 review. It's a review of an employer and all kinds of discerning things of how we learn about each other. Or for example, if you've ever been on a job interview, if you've ever uh, had to talk to somebody, they'll ask you, you know, are you a good problem solver? And so people are like, oh yeah, that's like having discernment, like knowing how to make good choices and and who doesn't want to learn more about that? Like I do all the time, right? So there is something about the idea of discernment that we hear about just in culture. But this morning and for the next two weeks, I want to just push us just a bit further and I want to talk about discernment also and primarily through the lens of the Bible. Because the Bible has a unique way it talks about discernment. It's not just some of those general ideas about how we make choices. The Bible invites us to keep discernment connected to this idea of discipleship. So if you want to take notes, maybe this week, next week, you want to bring a notebook. Maybe you're online or you want to watch this later. It'll help you. I want us to think about the idea of discernment in the Bible is always connected to discipleship. You'll see it on the slides, very simple. I just made it super easy. Just a biblical discernment equals growing as a disciple of Jesus. Now, the word disciple, not to confuse you, means to be a student, to actually learn and study. And when people started to hear Jesus teach, they thought, we're going to keep following this guy. Like something that he's saying is revolutionary. And they began to follow him. And as they followed him, they started to realize we're becoming disciples and students of this Jesus. Now, what's important is to be a disciple in the Bible is not only to learn, but that you acted on the teachings of your teacher in a way that your teacher was honored, in a way that your teacher was seen as very, very unique. And this is always happening in the the story of the Bible. Now, Jesus is teaching disciples to be discerning. And I've said it before, and I, you know, I think for my own life, I think for discerning, uh, understanding discernment, I think we often have to go back to the way we learned that or didn't learn it growing up. I know so many people during the holidays will struggle with certain choices they have to make. And I've seen over the years, lack of discernment ruin families. Lack of discernment ruin people's finances. Lack of discernment ruin decisions that people made in their relationships. So this is so important to think about discernment properly because a lack of discernment has consequences. It has painful consequences that we sometimes ignore, we think it's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. And so as we go through this week and next week, I want to give you just some tools to not only help you think about the Bible, but also for you to reflect on the way you grew up learning about discernment. I didn't learn this at all when I was young. I always, again, I just thought about when you make choices, you got to figure out what the right choice is or the bad choice. My whole life was all usually in two categories. You either do what God wants you to do or you're doing what the devil asked you to do. And I was like, every day, you know, you're like, it's the trauma of like, oh my goodness, how do, how do I figure out the right thing? And it's like hearing God is like finding a needle in a haystack. And if you don't hear the right thing, your life is doomed. Too bad. I almost like for years had this trauma about like, well, how do I know? Like, what if the Bible's not clear? And who do I ask? And my whole like teenage years, even into university, I was like, this is really crazy and challenging. Nobody really told me that the Bible actually teaches us to make choices by helping us develop discernment. You know what that means? That some choices are not just black and white choices. 
Most of life is not just knowing black and white. And actually, I've said this to parents and I've said it often. If you want to ruin your kid's life, just tell them what to do all the time. If you want to ruin your kid's learning about discernment, just you tell them what the right and the wrong thing is all the time. Now, if your kids are really, really young, for sure, you have parameters. But as they get older, you learn that discernment is cultivated when you help people just decide to make choices. And you pray with them and encourage them. And sometimes you even say, I have no idea. What do you think you should do? What do you love to do? What are you good at? And all of these kinds of questions are questions we're going to talk about in this series. And so hopefully you're going to feel stretched a bit to grow in this area. Now I'm going to begin by teaching you a bit of a theological idea in the Bible. And that's when you learn about the sermon in the Bible, you realize that Jesus, when he's teaching, he's cultivating this in the people who listen to him. Some of you know this, that the way Jesus did this was by teaching in parables. This is probably something that would have made us so frustrated if we follow Jesus. Because we would ask him a question, and you'd be like, okay, what do I do, this or that? And Jesus is like, that's a great question. Let me tell you a story. You're like, I don't want a story. I just want to know what the right thing to do is. She's like, no, that's not going to help you. Jesus is never really, rarely is Jesus just saying, this is right, this is wrong. Although it exists, he's helping people discern to see what right and wrong is by telling them a parable, by inviting them to hear the story. And that meant that they had to keep following him. They kept walking with him. They kept asking questions. They kept discerning with him. So this idea is really the way Jesus is introducing this to his own followers. But in the Bible, whenever we talk about discernment, we're always talking about making choices that align with the will of God. Okay, that's maybe a big idea. So I added like another thought. You know, how do you make a choice that aligns with the will of God? So I just want to explain that because for many people, it's even a shock that they think, like, God has a will? What does that even mean? I thought God was like an energy. I thought God was about positive something in space. All, the Bible talks about God as being a being who has purposes and goals and a will, meaning he's accomplishing those things. So if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. There's two ways of understanding God's will in the Bible. There's God's revealed will, and then there's God's hidden or mysterious will. Okay, you need to know this. If you don't learn this, you never take discernment seriously. When people don't learn this, not only do they get confused, they get overwhelmed, but they don't realize that the Bible shows us a God who's so beyond our understanding, meaning we can't understand them all the time, and then he loves us so much that he reveals certain things to us that we can't understand. Okay, so I want to begin by helping you learn about this by thinking of discernment through the lens of how do we know what God's will is for our lives. Now, Again, for, for you or for me, if God is just this like invisible uh, feeling or vibe that you get when, you know, you're in a room or when you watch a movie, you're like, oh, I feel, you know, when I hear the singing, I feel like, I think that's God. It's not God. It's just like you getting like little feelings, right? It, you forget that God is, maybe speaks to us through our emotions. He speaks to us through our feelings, but he's bigger than that. And the Bible points us to a God who has purposes and our lives are meant to fit into those purposes. Our lives are meant to connect to what God is revealing about his purposes. So to, to make it easy as we begin, I want to read a passage for you, and I want you to see if you can spot God's revealed will. We're going to just start with the revealed will. If you can spot God's revealed will in this passage. Super simple. We'll start easy. We'll get harder as we go. Okay, here we go. You'll see it on the slide here. So it says, live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You read this, you're like, can you make sense by reading this 
what God is revealing about his purposes in this world. Pretty simple. If you're looking for a place to start and to understand, okay, is my life and how I discern making choices fit this big, beautiful category called the revealed will of God? That God wants your kids and my kids and the next generation, people who are not born and our coworkers, to come to the place where they understand that God loves them. That God loves them and there's a knowledge that comes with that love that helps you become a disciple of Jesus. That helps you grow in following Jesus. And this can happen in the context of living lives that are peaceful, lives that care about holiness and following Jesus. This is a simple passage, there's many in the Bible, of God's revealed will. This is God revealing his will to us. So I'm going to do something in this sermon. I don't do this all the time, but I'm just going to give you three simple points that you can even write down. Okay, here's the first one. Super easy. You can write it down. You can think about it. If you're in a home group, hopefully this really helps in home groups, right? A discerning disciple seeks to understand and wisely obey the revealed will of God. Okay? If you've ever had a, a, a conflict with somebody or you have an argument with your kids and you tell them, hey, how come you didn't do this? They'll say, you never told me to do that. That means your will was hidden for, to them. But when you tell them, and then they don't do it, there's a sense that there's disobedience there. So God's like, there's some things that I've revealed to you and I want you to know what they are. And I want you to see your life and the choices you make fit into this revealed picture of the good plans that I have for you and those that you love. I want you to see your life fit this picture. So when you make choices every day, who you're going to meet for coffee, deals you have to make at work, classes you have to study, we all need to learn discernment and saying, I want those choices to fit this revealed will of God. And I want to do that in a way where, this is important, you'll see on the slide, where I wisely obey what I know is pretty clear in the Bible, and I can follow in that. Now, some of you are not even there yet. You're still just learning. You can't even believe that God has a purpose for people's lives, because maybe you learned about God as kind of just some strange thing. Like, I believe in God, and often people say that to me. They're like, oh yeah, you're a pastor? Like, I believe in God, and I'll ask them, the God you believe in, what's he like? And they're like, I don't know. Usually it means they haven't thought about God at all. It's just a catchphrase for believing in anything. The Bible teaches us that God has purposes and he has a will and things are unfolding in a way that bring glory to him. Now it's weird for us that God doesn't just push everybody and make everybody do what he wants them to do, but that's not the God we get in the Bible. God says, I have a revealed will and this is how you should see your life fitting into that. I had an experience a few weeks ago that made me think about this idea. And I was traveling back and forth from Ottawa because I had to speak at a conference. And I was, uh, I was taking the train back home, via train. And when I was coming home, I was in line at the VIA station, waiting, just to get my ticket, waiting. And just like briefly in the distance, I heard someone like speaking really, really loud. And I had a sense it was like a preacher type person. Don't be judging me. Okay, but some of us, we could tell, I'm like, that kind of sounds weird. Like, why is a person like yelling in the VIA station, right? And so as we're getting closer to the front where we have to go in, this person's getting louder and he's telling everybody that they got to get their lives right because God's coming back and things, and it was like, they were giving her. It it was hardcore. And I was like feeling some pressure there because I'm like, I know some of the things that are being said that are good, good intentions, but good intentions without discernment is always misunderstood. Good intentions without clarity about where you are and a wise context and a wise understanding can have, I know the revealed thing, but how that gets worked out in public is just not, the, it's the wrong thing. And so as we're going through this kind of, uh, this experience with this gentleman, I just thought like, what do I do? Like, do you go up to them and say, hey bro, 
this is really, really nice. You need to shut up. Do you do that? That's what I did, by the way. You'd be proud of me. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But, <laughs> but, but you're, like, you're torn because you're like, this is not going to help. And out of all of the chances of this, we get into our carts, and our friend, like Skip the Preacher, he's in my cart, okay? He's in our cart, and he's getting up at random times and walking up and down like the aisle of the cart, and he's telling everybody about God, get right, get... And the, the conduct, not the conductor person, but the person in charge of, of our cart just walks back and forth, and they stop at me. And they're like, excuse me, sir, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, you are bothering me. Uh, but they're like, can we, can we ask you to help us if there's a gentleman in your, like, car? They're going to get up, and they're, like, telling people about some religious thing. If they get up and start doing this, can you notify us so we can come back? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, is this a job? Like, do you pay, do you pay for this? How does this work? And I'm trying to discern, like, what is the right thing to do now? How do you respond in that situation? How do you, how do you address the situation? It's not just black and white, because one of the things you know that, for, in this case, I knew what the person was saying came from a, a good place. They, they cared about people. They tried, but it was so confusing for everybody. Sometimes, even when we know the revealed thing, when we know what God's calling us to do, how that gets worked out in our lives requires wisdom. That's why in the Bible, discernment is connected to becoming wise, to understanding the context that you're in, to understanding that we could do something with the wrong intentions and it can confuse everybody if we're not careful. This is kind of the easy, simple understanding of discernment. Now, as you deal with the revealed will of God, things are clear in the Bible, you now have to move towards an area of the Bible that's a bit more challenging, which is the hidden will of God. How do we make choices when it's really not clear what the Bible says? I want to talk to you about this because, again, it comes down to this whole idea that if you hear the idea of God's will as figuring out what is right and what is wrong, you will always be confused. Always. So many people who grow up in church, I spoke to someone between services and they just said to me, Dom, I I grew up in a religious trauma home where every decision, I, I was paralyzed. Like it broke my heart to hear that. Part of this series for them, I hope it's going to set them free. It's going to set you free to realize that not every decision you make in life is connected to something very bad or something good. And if you don't find that, like you're done. Actually, part of God's goodness to us is he invites us to explore his will in a way where he comes close and he teaches us to trust him. That's why when I was thinking for a, a title for the sermon, I called it the joy of discerning God's will. When I grew up, I never, I never thought of joy at all connected to discerning God's will. I just thought there's joy, and then you better make the right choice, or you're in trouble. The end. That was my life. And so someone who grows up in a world where God's will is either black or white never needs discernment. All they need to do is be obedient. And for many people, that's what they want. They don't want that from God. They want that from the church. Just tell me what to do and when to do it. And we really believe that the Bible teaches us not only what to do, but sometimes the Bible teaches us how to think when we don't know what to do. And discernment falls into that category. Because there's so many things you and I are going to experience that are good things from God and we won't really know and we'll feel overwhelmed or unsure and we're going to need to pray and explore. And so I want to show you how Jesus teaches us this. It's so beautiful. That Jesus teaches us this beautiful thing about God's will and his own will in a way that can help us. He does this in one of the most beautiful passages and actually very painful passages in the Bible. Some of you know it. I'm going to read it for you. And this is what it says. It says this, Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. This is what he prayed, and our prayers always reveal our will. This is what it says. Father, Jesus says, 
If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. This is such a beautiful passage in the Bible. It's so profound to feel that the Jesus who loves us and wants to be obedient is experiencing kind of this tension of pain and we get this glimpse of the fact that the will of Jesus is to be honest and to share in the most honest way that the pain that's coming pains him, right? Now, the will of Jesus is not bad. It's not being disobedient. It's just the honest reality of his life. And in this moment, he has to learn and be obedient in saying, this is my will, this is what I'm sensing. But God, your will is greater than my will, and I'm ready to surrender to that. If you learn that, that sometimes even the things that you desire, the choices you want to make, are not either bad or good. Sometimes they're just an honest place where you're at, and they come actually from God's goodness in your life. God's given you desires and me desires. He's given us things that we're aware of. He he teaches us that some decisions we have to make that feel very painful. We're like, I'm not sure, God, is there another way? So just so you know, one of the greatest lessons about discernment in the Bible is realizing that God's will sometimes is not just black and white. It's not you figure this out or you don't figure that out. So the hiddenness of God's will is something we step into and explore and we learn. We grow and we step into it and we realize in that moment, this is important, that God loves us. God loves us, which means he gives us so many choices and good things. And then he says, you should decide what you want to do. Years ago, I was on a university campus as a pastor. I was always with students and University students are in this crucial time in their life where they're thinking about who to marry, thinking whether they want to get married, thinking about, you know, like their job, their careers, and then they're also thinking about how do they avoid their annoying psycho parents at home, they don't want to go back home. And so, you know, you're always, I'm with these students, and one time, the university where I was at, there was a job fair. And one of the students went to the job fair, brilliant student, and the job fair had to do with IT engineers and different computer engineers, and Google, Apple, some of the biggest companies in the world came to the university. And they came and did a job fair. So they did this, and you know, within a few weeks, I get an email from one student. And they're like, Pastor Dom, I really gotta talk to you. I gotta make a decision. I'm really, really nervous. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's me. So I remember meeting with the student. And I said, so tell me, like, how was the job fair? And they're like, that's what I wanna talk about. Super stressed. They said, you know what? I got all these offers from all of these different schools and these different jobs and these different things. I'm like, that's amazing. So like, what are they? So he just explains these three to me. And then he says it. Which one of these is God's will for me? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and you know, just think about it. The greatest thing you can learn how to say to somebody is say, I don't know. It's, okay. it's not wrong to say you don't know. When somebody asks you something, just say, you know what? This is a great question. I don't know. And I said, which of these do you feel like you love the most? And they're like, what? They were so conflicted that they had grown up in a place where the will of God was now to secretly find out by some magical sign which one was right. If you grew up in a church or in a home where you never learned discernment, not only do you not celebrate when God gives you many good things, but you also become a person whose life is built on looking for a sign for everything. There's a, I saw a sign, I saw a sign. I meet people all the time, like, that's not a sign. You're just a clown. Stop it. Like, you don't need to have signs for everything. And you know why people do that sometimes? Because if they make a mistake, they can blame God. Instead of saying, no, I had to learn my lesson and God left this door open and I walked through it. What did you learn? So I'm with this young student and I'm like, so what are you going to do? Like the trauma, I'm like, you've been such a great student. God has been so good to you. 
you have so many opportunities. This should be an easy conversation. And I said, I'm going to tell you God's will for your life right now. You pick the school that has no snow. <laughs> Go to the place where it never snows. One was in California. And he was like, amen. No, he didn't say amen. <laughs> it's this idea that the will of God is not only we discern, but like, I don't even want to have to make a decision. I just want to know. You just tell me what to do. People who grow up that way never develop discernment. If you want to ruin your kids' lives, always tell them what to do. I'm not saying you don't correct them when they're going down a wacky path. But when God has given them many opportunities, you ready for this? Say, you don't know. Just say, I'm not sure. This is amazing. Because whatever choice you make when God blesses you with many choices is about moving you towards God's revealed will, which is to help others know that he loves them. So whichever one you choose will work that way. Now, Jesus will teach about this. I don't know how we got this wrong. This is what Jesus says. So beautiful. He tells his disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, Jesus says. He says, there's so many good things I have for you, but you know what? You're not ready yet. You're not ready. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to grow in wisdom and discernment and maturity. You're going to make mistakes. We know that Peter's going to be disobedient. He's not ready to hear that. One day, Peter, you're going to be one of the greatest preachers in the church. Not ready for that yet. Too shaky there. So he's like, you're not ready yet. Some of you, this year, next year coming up, you're either going to become the kind of discerning people where God can give you more of the things that you can bear, the good things in life, success in your business, a stronger marriage, all these good things because you started to grow in discernment. You began to mature where you could almost carry more wisdom. You could carry more insight. You could help others. And instead, each of us will be tempted to just want to know what's right and wrong. What's the easy way out? How do we figure this out so it's someone else's problem? Discernment is this wonderful gift that reminds us that God loves us. And he has so many good things in store for us. And so I want to just show you this with a slide. Here's point number two. It's easy. You'll see it. It says this. A discerning disciple matures by resting through different choices, which may include making mistakes. Can we just agree right now that making a mistake is not a sin? Just remember that. Making a mistake is not ruining your life. Making a mistake is not like, oh my goodness, it's over. Making a mistake sometimes is a reminder that you have limited knowledge at a limited time and you wanted to honor God and you stepped out in faith. And especially when you have many good things to choose from and then it falls apart or you feel like it's not going to work or it's not what you thought. This happens with relationships. It happens with work. It happens in so many areas. And part of that is learning from those mistakes, growing from those mistakes. When that doesn't happen, we never grow in discernment. We never mature in discernment. So the greatest thing we can do is remember that Jesus offers us this beautiful gift of saying, you know, there's our will that is stirred with different good things. And God gave us those emotions. He gave us those desires. But yet there's something about us that we have to deal in. It's the last issue. That our desires and our emotions are at times gripped by sin. Meaning that we know what God's will is. We know what we should do, but our hearts actually move away from wanting to do those things because they might be painful. They might require us surrendering to God. They might require us having to confess things that we've done. When people don't really get honest about the fact that, yes, discernment is a gift from God that requires that we're honest with the fact that our hearts at times don't even want to do the things of God. We don't even want to step into those moments, especially if we think those moments will be challenging. So then I know this, and you know this, in my own life, I sometimes will look for a shortcut. Like, what's the easiest way through this? What's the easiest way where this doesn't get complicated? But some of the most beautiful skills and lessons in discernment happen 
When you step out in faith and say, God, I'm afraid here, or I've made some mistakes, or I have things in my life that are so broken because of bad choices I've made, and you need to heal me of this. I want to show you one other passage about God's will and for our, what this means for our lives. And this is what it says. Paul's writing to a church, and if you were in our Bible study, you remember this passage. It says this. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, because God has a will, remember? As, in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And here you go. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, you maybe never heard that word sanctified. It sounds like a big Bible word, and it is, okay? But to make it simple, to be sanctified is to be people who've been set apart to want to be holy. That God sets us apart and he heals us so that we live lives that are aligned with the holiness of God. Now, this doesn't come by magical snapping of the fingers or sprinkling like anointing oil on people. It comes for an unawareness that even when we try to grow in discernment, there's things in our life that because God's will requires that we're sanctified, that we keep growing, that we could avoid. We can say, it's not my problem, it's someone else's problem, and we then also avoid people who would tell us the truth. So I want to make it simple so that we understand this, and I wrote it this way, and you'll see it on the slide. It says this, discerning disciples develop an ability to hear the hard truth about sin in their lives. We could spend like a whole series on this. People who grow in discernment not only help other people, not only make choices that are wise choices that bless their family and others, but they also become people who are honest about the problems they have in their own hearts and their own minds. This is something that is so challenging, and you know it's challenging if you've ever told someone what to do. Like, go back to the passage just a sec. I just want to show you this, and think about this. Just a passage we just read. You just go back. Brothers and sisters, we instruct you, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. Have you ever tried to instruct someone how to live? Have you ever tried that? Have you ever told someone how they should live and what they should do? And if you have, you probably know what they said to you. I know what people say to me. Who do you think you are? Mind your own business. Right? Because you earn the respect and the trust to be able to speak to somebody and to tell them certain things. Now, I know some people think, oh, I've been, I'm your grandpa, mother, I can tell you whatever I want. I'm like, that doesn't really work. You can try. But you know that each of us hate it when anybody instructs us about anything. We're going to decide. Discerning disciples welcome other people's wisdom into their lives. I gave homework to the other group. You're going to get it too, and it's something I want you to do this week. Each of us should have at least three people in our lives that are the gift of God in our lives for someone that we trust that can say things to us that they see when we make choices that are not discerning in the ways God would call us to live. Each of us should have this. If you're married, one of those people should be your spouse. Or someone else that you know that when they tell you something, you've welcomed them to say, you know what, I've noticed this pattern, noticed this habit. Years, I've done this with different people. I encourage them. You have to be around the people. Often I'm meeting with a young couple. I'm meeting with a young guy. Hey, every night, you know, you don't seem to go home on time. How come you're always late to go home? Something's weird there. Or is it strange that, you know, you're spending all this money and you never talk to your spouse about that? That's kind of interesting, right? There's places where we dialogue with people and you realize, wait a second, this requires some discernment now. I think I need to hear from someone else who might notice something that I'm not noticing. For years, I've seen people make all kinds of decisions in their life, and their lives have been destroyed by them. And you know, as they're talking to me, I'm always asking myself this one question. You didn't have one friend to tell you that that's an insane decision? You didn't have one person in your life to say to you, what are you going to do? 
what are you going to buy? Didn't you just tell me you're struggling with debt? You bought a new car? That doesn't seem wise. Right? These are like important things, but they're more important because the Bible says that when we start to live this way, the will of God and the things of God and the good things of God, they never come to pass because our lives are destroyed. Why? Not because God's not good and not because God hasn't given us so many good things in store, but because we never dealt with the sin in our hearts. The ways that we can spin the truth and change ideas and ignore certain people. And now in our culture, we have a new word that we use. Whenever somebody tells you something you don't like, you know what you say? You're just a negative person. No, they're not a negative person. They're telling you the truth. Get your act together. Now, not everybody gets to do that for everybody. Not all of you get to tell me what to do. Some of you try, but it doesn't work. But we need people in our lives, people that we trust, because they're people who've also modeled the discernment. I often say this to people, it's the worst thing to have someone pray for you something they don't want in their own lives. It's the worst thing to have someone want something for you that they're not developing in their own lives. If you're a parent, your kids will catch you on that hypocrisy every day. And they should. Discernment is saying, God, I want to grow and I want to mature. I want to understand your will. I'm okay with sometimes you don't show me everything that you've called me to do, but I'm going to trust you and walk in that. But I'm also going to be very aware and very honest, that sometimes even the things I know I should do, I don't do them. Because of my own selfish uh, ideas, ambitions, what I want, and you know, we just hope nobody finds out. And over time, I've done this, you know, just blame someone else. Like, let's find someone else who's worse. Why are we talking about me? Let's look at someone else. What are their problems? So you know what? The greatest gift, you pick three people. You say, God, I just need three people that I trust. This week, maybe just do that. It's a simple exercise. Just say, God, you know, I have my, my wife or my husband. I have a one friend, but I want one other person. Maybe someone in your home group, someone in church that you see regularly. Like, I just want someone else because I want to grow in discernment. I want to flourish in this area of my life so I can, I can step into all the good things that God has in store. I don't want to create a home where it's trauma when my kids have to make decisions or they go to university and it's like, I don't even know what to do. I better find God's will. I'm like, I don't know, just... You, didn't you practice discernment? Didn't you develop the skills of learning to trust God and stepping out in faith? Some people have. Years ago, I read a book about this, and it had to do with just the different ways that the devil tempts us. And before I, I read the quote, it, it's a very interesting book, so I don't always recommend it to people, but it's a book written by a, a, a brilliant scholar. His name was C.S. Lewis. And some of you maybe heard his name, and he was a, an atheist who then became a Christian and, and then wrote some different books on theology, but then also fictional books. And one of the books he wrote, it's called The Screwtape Letters. And uh, The Screwtape Letters, you should know this before, again, before I read the quote, is a book that's very tricky to read because it's a book written by a Christian and it's written by a story, a fictional story between two demons, okay? Two demonic creatures. Like you heard that right, demons, okay? There are these two demonic creatures and one of them is a senior demon and one of them is like a, a demon in training, and the whole book is written like a fictional story. It's not all to be taken literally because some of it is weird, right? But at one point in the book, the senior demon is trying to teach the younger demon how to trick humans, how to trick Christians who are trying to follow God. And he says this profound thing, and I want to read it for you. This is what he says. You must bring, remember, these are two demons talking, okay? You must bring a person, a Christian likely, to a condition in which he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about themselves, which are perfectly clear to anyone who has ever lived in the same house or worked in the same office. This is one of the things, in a funny way in this book, is likely for many of us in our culture. 
that you can read all the books you want on self-awareness, but nobody becomes self-aware by themselves. People who become discerning and wise and disciples of Jesus have others who say, wait a second, I trust you and you notice something in my life that seems weird. Yeah. And they do it in a way that's not shameful, that's not judging, but it's loving because they know and you know that you have to learn how to discern God's will and step into all of the good things that Jesus says. I have so many things that you still can't bear or understand, but they're coming for you this week. What would that look like? To start to thinking about discernment and the joy of discovering all the good things that God has in store for you. I promise you, in some ways, you will feel like overwhelmed and scared. I'm going to have Dave just come up and he's just going to play some music. But I just want to tell you that each of you, when you begin this journey, will have this internal concern that be like, I don't know, it's easier if somebody just tells me what to do. For parents, it's a simple thing. Next little while, just notice this. Your kids, a friend, even someone that you care about, they ask you, I have a decision to make. What do you think I should do? And they're both good decisions. Don't tell them what to do. Just say, I don't know. Just try. We'll pray with you. We'll walk with you. We'll learn together. What if I make a mistake? You might make a mistake. What, what, if, what if, you know, God loves you? Sometimes we know God closes a door, but when he leaves many doors open, we can be open to know that he loves us and just wants us to learn to develop discernment. You never develop into a discerning follower of Jesus if all you want is yes and no answers to your life. Never. And then when you are kids or your life, you step into the real world with all of these choices, the trauma, the anxiety of knowing how to make any choice, it's paralyzing. Paralyzing. Before we close, I want to read you one last passage. It's my favorite passage on this topic because it holds together both God's revealed will and God's hidden will. It holds it together in one passage. Paul says in the letter to the Romans, he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, revealed will of God. God's revealed will is that our minds would be healed, that our minds would be transformed to see the world from a different perspective. And then he says this, then, I even did the little circle there, that's special for you. To, then, only after you get serious about God's revealed will, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect what a beautiful gift to us. A God who's not a controlling monster. Tell, do this or don't do that. Now, there are passages in the Bible that are clear. But you know what? The ones that are clear, they'll never confuse you. You're never going to get up one day and be like, I hate my boss. I can't wait to murder them. And think, I don't know if God, God's okay with that. I got to discern this. You don't have to discern. It's clear. What you'll feel the most is when it's not clear. And you will have said, God, I've been learning how to practice discernment. I have people in my life that have trusted me and, and I've trusted them and they, they've shared with me things that I'm growing in. And now I can celebrate the joy of discerning God's will and stepping into all these opportunities that he has for me. When we create that kind of space and that kind of church, that kind of home, the next generation, they feel alive there. Because they can make mistakes and they're loved and they're learning. So let me just encourage you this week simple thing. If this was hard to understand, YouTube. You can watch it again. If you're in a home group, we have some questions to just help you. Just, just go a little bit further to get honest. But for all of us, write down three people. One, a spouse, two others. And maybe those people don't even know it, so say that to them. Just say, you know, over the next few months and even the next year, 
I really want to grow in an area of my life that I need to grow in, and I'm going to need your help. So help me to do that. So let's just stand before we close. Prayer. Father, so many choices await us. So many opportunities that you've placed before us. Some of us will, will be surprised this week because of the good things that you have in store for us. Some of us will be overwhelmed because we have difficult decisions and we're not sure what to do. As we think about the gift of discernment and the, the strength that you give us to become those who can learn to hear your voice and grow and trust you. I pray you would help us be courageous around things that you've revealed very clearly in your word. To be courageous about the revealed will that you have for us, your purposes, your plans. And also give us the strength and the joy to step into moments that feel hidden. Where those are the places where you develop new strength, new muscles in us. Even when we make mistakes or we struggle. Would you help us to be the kind of church, the kind of families, the kind of friends that remember that you are such a good God, that you've given us so many opportunities and you have so many things for us that maybe we cannot still bear, but one day we will be able to. And that you would prepare us to become those kinds of people. I pray for those maybe in this room who feel just the weight of maybe having made bad decisions, deep regrets, I pray, God, that you would remind them that even though sin does not get the final word, that you can heal and restore and begin to realign our lives as we get serious about becoming your disciples. I pray for anyone who feels that the Holy Spirit, you would just bring a sense of joy, that hope and healing is available through what Jesus has done. And as we go now, may you be honored with how we practice the things that you're teaching us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, before you go, if you're here and uh, you're thinking about some choices, some concerns, you'd like to pray with someone, we have some wonderful people just in our prayer space right up front here. It's confidential, it's quiet, it doesn't have to take long, but you might need someone to just help, encourage you, and likely they're not going to tell you what to do, but they're going to pray with you. We love you, everyone. God bless. See you soon. See you, everyone online.